You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. And before we get started today, college football season is right around the corner. There's no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked On Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, and you guys had some incredibly fun feedback to yesterday's episode. A bunch of people chimed in on what jerseys they would choose from past Gonzaga teams. Uh, There was a whole lot of love for the obvious. A ton of love for the red Adam Morrison jersey, which I love. The turquoise jersey's got a lot of love. Lots of Matt Santangelo, Karnowski, Suggs, Sabonis, Kispert, Pargo, Turioff, all the Zag legends that you can think of. But the fun stuff were the ones that I didn't mention at all yesterday that you guys came up with. Uh, The PK-80 black uniforms, which I totally forgot about. Slightly different than their normal black uniforms. They had some red trim on those. Um, And there was also some talk about the jerseys that they wore in that disaster of a game against Pittsburgh that took place in Japan at the the Armed Forces game back in uh, late 2015, the start of the 15-16 season. And that's really one game that I totally forget even existed until somebody brings it up to me and reminds me of it. Uh, There's also some Richie Fromm love, which I like. A lot of Quinton Hall love. Somebody said uh, I would buy the Quinton Hall Royal Blue jersey five times, which I respect. Love that. And then somebody was a big Zach Gord fan, which is one of the most underrated players of that era. And then, of course, we had some lesser known kind of fan favorite and novelty jerseys. You know, the Bull Kong and Will Foster's, Ira Browns of the world. Some people um, wanted some jerseys from some of the walk-on legends. But my favorite response I think was uh, somebody who wanted a PMAC jersey who said, I want that big Altador Cespedes rainbow on the back, and you get the best deal when you buy letters in bulk. If you remember, Pierre-Marie Altador Cespedes jersey, that rainbow on the back alludes to the, the, the name Altador Cespedes basically taking up the entire jersey from side to side. So uh, I thank you guys for interacting with that. I hope you guys had some fun with it because I really enjoyed reading all of your responses uh, yesterday. Okay, today on the show, we are going to recap Chad Holmgren's game against Australia from yesterday and look ahead to the United States in bracket play, which begins today. We're also going to do a state of the program for the Gonzaga women's team. It's been too long since we talked about them, so we're going to do that on the back end of today's episode, kind of like I gave a state of the program for the men's team about six weeks ago. Before we get to all that, one quick piece of news that came out on Tuesday, and that's Corey Kispert worked out for the Orlando Magic uh, in Orlando. Orlando's in a really interesting spot in the draft because they've got the number five pick and they got the number eight pick. They're not going to take Corey Kispert at five, uh, but it's very possible that they could take him at eight. I've seen him mocked as high as 10. I don't think I've seen him, at least recently, um, any higher than that. But Orlando has... Really a bunch of needs. They could go anywhere in this draft. They don't have really any strong points or any um, massive weaknesses. They just need players. And one of the best you know, plug-and-play players in the entire draft is going to be Corey Kispert outside of you know, the top six players or so. He's not going to 
totally change a franchise. But if you just want players that are going to come in and be a role player right away, no matter what team they go to, Corey Kispert's a pretty safe bet. So we'll see if Orlando is interested in that at the number eight spot. But like I said, Corey Kispert did work out with them on Tuesday and the Magic have picks number five and picks number eight. Okay, coming up, a recap of Chet Holmgren's performance against Australia. The U19 World Cup from yesterday and a look ahead to bracket play that I said begins this morning at 10.30, plus some stats from a few other notable players with WCC connections that are playing in that tournament. But first, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and both the NBA and the NHL are in their finals, so it's a perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. And pretty soon, it's going to be football season. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKED ON. Okay, so the United States yesterday took on Australia and they were in a battle for pretty much three quarters of that game. Australia was actually only down two at halftime, it was 44 to 42. And at that point, Chad Holmgren really didn't do a whole lot. He was out there for about 10, 12 minutes, um, but he didn't really get many shots up, wasn't rebounding, wasn't a huge factor defensively. But then the third quarter started, and he completely took over the game for about a four-minute stretch, just like he did against Turkey in the first game of pool play. He has this ability, and he's shown it out twice, where he's the best player on the court by a mile, uh, kind of on both ends. There was the, the, the highlight sequence that everybody, I think, has seen at this point is he came over and helped defense and blocked a shot by literally grabbing the ball in midair with both hands. He didn't just block it out of bounds. He grabbed the ball himself, took it to the other end of the court, and finished at the rim. Uh, he also had a nice and-one finish driving from the the, uh, the wing. He had two other blocks as well, and then he had a really nice high-low look uh, on a set play coming out of halftime. So a really strong third quarter for Chet Holmgren, and then eventually the United States stopped stopped turning the ball over altogether, ended up beating Australia 87-66. to Chet Holmgren finished with 10 points on the day, 4-5 from the field, 2-3 of three from the line, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, 3 assists. United States goes on to face Korea on Wednesday, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Chet Holmgren, in his first three games of the tournament, he's averaging a team-high 20.8 minutes, so that kind of shows you how much respect the coaching staff has for this kid. I mean, he's going to be a freshman in college, and he's getting more minutes than everybody else on the roster, um, which is really impressive. So 20.8 minutes, which is a team high, averaging 11.3 points. He's shooting 12 for 20 from the field, which is 60%, which is fine. Uh, 7 seven for 11 from the line, 6.7 rebounds, a team high, four assists a game. The seven foot one player is averaging more assists than anybody on the roster. How about that? And I mentioned this on Monday when I watched him over the weekend. His passing ability has impressed me probably more than anything else uh, that I've seen from him throughout these three games now. So he's averaging four assists, which is awesome. Then he's obviously got nearly three blocks a game, 2.7 blocks a game, which is tied for third most in the tournament. And you may see 
Brandon Clark's blocks record at Gonzaga challenge this year with Chet Holmgren. If you remember in the 18-19 season, Brandon Clark absolutely shattered Austin Day's previous record, which was 70. Brandon Clark finished with 117 blocks in that 18-19 season, which averaged out to 3.2 a game. I think that is something that is absolutely doable for Chet Holmgren once he steps foot on campus. So the United States now goes into bracket play, and how bracket play works is all 16 teams are eligible to be in this thing. And so the United States, who's in Group D, as the number one seed in Group D, will play the number four seed in Group C. There's four groups of four. So the United States, who's 3-0, got the number one seed, and they'll face an 0-3 Korea team from Group C, who was outscored by 158 points in their three games. So that game on uh, today at 10.30 happening. If you're listening to this by 10.30, you can still watch it. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, But the United States, the number one seed in their uh, region, if they win that, which they should by a lot, they'll take on the winner of Senegal and Latvia, who are the two and three seeds in the A and B pools. That game will be in the quarterfinals on Friday. And then the semifinals is really what is probably going to be the best game of the entire tournament if the seedings hold, and that's the United States taking on Canada in the semifinals of this tournament. Canada has Ryan Nemhard on their team leading the charge, the brother of Andrew Nemhard. And then the championship, if seedings hold, the United States will take on uh, Serbia, who's the number one seed overall over there, the only other team that's 3-0, and along with the United States and Canada, and they are led by Lazar Stefanovic, who is going to the University of Utah. There's three other players I want to mention that are playing in this tournament. One of them is Omar Bala, who we talked about yesterday. Uh, but after three games, Bala is averaging 10 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, which leads the team, and then also 2.7 block shots. But one of his teammates is a kid that's actually going to BYU, and he's going to be a freshman this year. He's a 6'5 wing. Against the United States, he had 7 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. And then yesterday against Turkey... He didn't play, and it said it was a coach's decision. So that's a really interesting thing, considering how well he played against the United States. And he also played pretty well against Australia in their first game, too, with five points and six rebounds. So I don't honestly know how to say his name, and I don't want to butcher it too bad, but I think it's Fusini Treor. Uh, but that's the name to watch. He's going to be a freshman at BYU this year. And then the other name in this tournament is Augustus Marshallonis. And he is going to be, if you remember, he is a St. Mary's commit Um, He's coming overseas to play for Randy Bennett in Moraga. And in his three games, uh, he is averaging 6.3 points and a team-high 5.7 assists. He has not shot the ball very well from the field, but he is definitely their leading kind of point guard and assist guy for Lithuania. So there is your FIBA U19 World Cup update. United States taking on Korea at 10.30 a.m. today. They will take a day off on Thursday before having the quarterfinals Friday. Semifinals Saturday, and the championship game will be Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Again, all these games can be watched on YouTube, as can all of the replays if you want to watch Chet Holmgren play. Okay, coming up to finish the show, we are talking Gonzaga, women's basketball. At some point in the coming weeks, we are going to start talking about individual players on both the men's and women's side as we kind of ramp up a little bit for next season. But as a whole, we haven't really talked too much about the women's team recently. So, like I did with the men about six weeks ago or so, I want to give a state of the program for the Gonzaga women's team. They have had some unbelievable regular seasons the last couple of years here, but it hasn't translated to postseason success quite yet. 
So where do they go from here? Because they're losing a ton of talent off of last year's roster. We're going to discuss that to finish the show today. First, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. We have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's episode also being sponsored by Built Bar, of course, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the low calorie, low sugar, High protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, and there's a bunch of them online that you can try, feel free to get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, which is 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk a little Gonzaga women's basketball, shall we? They are coming off three straight historic seasons. In 2019, they got a number 5 seed in the NCAA tournament, which is the best in program history. In 2020, they were ranked 11th in the country, which is the best in program history. And then in 2021, they went on a 17-game winning streak, won the WCC championship on a buzzer beater against BYU, and they earned a number five seed in the tournament once again, which is tied for the best mark in program history. But in those three seasons, they have a combined one NCAA tournament victory. They lost in the second round in 2019 because of a bunch of injuries, 2020 tournament unfortunately was canceled and then they got upset in the first round by Belmont this past season because of turnovers of course the NCAA tournament is not the end-all be-all you can still have successful seasons without a second weekend appearance but at some point historic regular seasons have to turn into something more and now the biggest question facing Lisa Fortier who's entering her eighth season at the helm of Gonzaga is how do they keep building this program? As always, as it did with the men's side, it starts with recruiting. And they're bringing in Bree Salambien to this year's roster, and she's the highest-rated recruit in school history. She's six foot three, and she can play literally anywhere on the floor. She's played every position throughout her career, and they're going to need her to step in right away because they're losing their three best players from a year ago. Jill Townsend, gone. Jen Worth, gone. Leanne Worth, gone. That's your top three players who made up 49% of their scoring and 48% of their rebounding last season. So it's natural to expect a step back next season from this team, but how big a step is going to be determined by development? They returned Kaylee Trong, who was their starting point guard, and top returning score coming into this year at 7.8 points a game. She also led the team with more than four assists a night. But the biggest problem with her and her twin sister, Kaylin, 
is that both of them shot the ball significantly worse from beyond the arc as sophomores than they did as freshmen. Kay Lintrong, who comes off the bench, she shot 44% as a freshman and 33% last year as a sophomore, while Kay Lintrong, who's the starting point guard, dropped about 5% from beyond the arc. Both of them are much better spot-up shooters, and when they had Jesse Loetta around two years ago as the primary ball handler, they got much better shots. So now the ball is in their hands a lot more, and they need to find a way to become more efficient scorers if this team is going to succeed. Much of their success next year is tied to those two girls, Kaylee and Kaylin Trong, and how they develop as basketball players. They also lost one of their backup point guards in Lily Scanlon because she decided to go back home to Australia and play professionally. So they're going to need somebody to step up behind the Trong twins, whether it's Michaela Williams taking a huge sophomore leap because she didn't show a whole lot as a freshman, or one of these incoming freshmen is going to have to step up and play point guard. Salen Bien is best used on the wing. I think she's going to be the perfect fill-in for Jill Townsend, and she may end up starting from day one, especially if her knee is fully healed because she's coming off of uh, a major knee surgery. The other option at point guard, and the more likely one, is Peyton Muma, who's a five foot eight freshman from Colorado who is the second-ranked player in the state. She's a pure point guard. She averaged 15 points, four assists, and three steals as a junior, and then she was named first-team All-State this past season as a senior. She's legit, and certainly she could slot in right away as a backup guard, just like Lily Scanlon did last year, um, who kind of takes that 8 to 12 minutes a game role. Their other perimeter option is a freshman in Callie Stokes, who was injured a lot in high school and is probably going to be a, a good candidate to redshirt. Um, so here's where we kind of stand with the perimeter players. Kaylee Trong is starting a point guard. Sharpshooting Sierra Walker is going to start at the off guard. And both she and Abby O'Connor are using their extra year of eligibility. So this is their either fifth or sixth year uh, in college. And both of them need to start hunting their shots more. They're the two best shooters on the team without question. Both of them are 40-plus percent three-point shooters. But they showed a little bit of hesitancy to drive the ball most of last season because they relied on Townsend and the Worth so much. They're both gone, and so they, this team really needs Walker and O'Connor to be much more aggressive, especially as, you know, senior, you know, super senior leaders. It's very possible both of those girls start. Uh, Walker certainly will, and Abby O'Connor is likely going to battle with Bree Salenbien for that spot on the wing. And knowing Lisa Fortier, she loves her upperclassmen, so she's probably going to give the nod to Abby O'Connor and have Salenbien become the sixth man uh, off the bench with Kaylin Trong as the first guard off the bench. And then you've got Peyton Muma and Michaela Williams kind of battling for those final eight to ten minutes at the point guard spot. I don't have as many questions in the front court. Obviously, losing the worst is huge. There's not really any doubt about that. But they have a lot of really, really good, young, promising players ready to take those spots right now. Melody Kempton is one of those. She's probably going to move right into a starting spot after being named the sixth woman of the year this past season. She's been really, really effective as a role player her first three seasons, and I think she's due for a big senior year. She's probably the best offensive rebounder on the team. She was the best rebounder of the team two years ago, and you know, right up there is one of the best offensive rebounders this past season. She's always, always, always scrapping for loose balls. She's efficient at the rim. I think she shot 60, 61% this season. Uh, she's always um, really good at running the court as well. So I think she's going to start. And the other starting forward 
probably is going to be Yvonne Ejim, who, if you remember, came on big time at the end of her freshman season last year. And she was really the reason why Gonzaga beat BYU in that WCC title game. She had 13 points and nine rebounds in a game where everybody was sick with food poisoning. And now since the Worth Twins are gone, she's got a chance to do that every night. And I know the coaching staff is super, super high on her. Um, They sung her praises a lot uh, at the end of last season. And then someone that I'm really high on is Eliza Hollingsworth, who I think looks to be fully healthy after two years of battling a bunch of weird, you know, unfortunate injuries. But she's a stretch big and she's got great range which is a type of player that Gonzaga really hasn't had much in the past. They rely on bigs to kind of score down low, but not a whole lot of jump shooting ability beyond the free throw line. So this is kind of a change in pace there. Hollingsworth is a stretch big who can actually shoot threes, so that's a little bit different dynamic that they could use offensively. I think she's probably going to see 10 to 15 minutes a game next season. And then we get to the true centers, which is Anna Verjogi, who's entering her senior year, and Maj Halbins, who is a freshman transfer from Syracuse. Both of them are six foot five, but they play very, very differently on offense. Burjogi is a back-to-the-basket player who's got average touch, but she makes a killing on the defensive end blocking shots, while Halbins is much, much more agile on offense. She can kind of drive the ball from the perimeter, but perhaps she's not as good defensively. Halbins was ranked as a top 20 post player in the class of 2020 before transferring from Syracuse because Syracuse's coaching staff has had a whole bunch of um, allegations thrown around uh, with them recently. So it's a good, basically their entire Syracuse roster has left over the past three seasons. She is one of them. She's coming to Gonzaga and uh, I think she's going to be a huge part of their future. Maybe not so much this season, but definitely in in the years to come. And another name to add to that is Esther Little, who is a true freshman coming in from England. She's six foot three, and she could end up playing on the wing uh, in the future, but she's an absolutely ferocious rebounder. She's got really good length defensively. She's got a ton of international experience, so she's also going to be a bright part of their future. All of this is to say uh, that Gonzaga's got a lot of front court talent over the next several seasons and far fewer question marks in the front court than the back court. And Lisa Fortier loves to play through the post. That's what the offense is. So the biggest concern is 100% the guard play, as it was last year. And this is kind of the make-or-break season for the Trong Twins. They're going to be juniors. They're the veterans on this team full of players that are young and looking to make jumps into larger roles. So they have to produce, and they have to lead this team. If they make a jump, Gonzaga is going to be in a good enough shape to get another single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. If they can't do that, and this team kind of can't figure out what their guard depth situation is, this whole season is going to be full of low-scoring grinders. Um, I think overall, I do like the outlook of this program moving forward. I don't think they're really in any danger of missing the NCAA tournament anytime soon. Peyton Muma, I've watched a lot of highlights of her uh, the past two days now. She's the point guard of the future. I think she's going to be really, really good. Uh, Bree Salenbien is a five-star talent, but again, she's coming off of major knee surgery, so we'll see how she actually produces right away. And then they've got a ton of really, really good forwards, like I've mentioned. And right now, they're in the running for six-foot-three wing Grace Van Sluten, who's ranked 13 overall in the class of 2022. So if they continue to get more and more recruits at that kind of level, these top 50 recruits, obviously the the program is going to continue uh, to move forward. 
It feels like the women's program right now is kind of where the men's program was in that 2008 to 2012 time period where it's just it's consistently good, but it's not exactly getting to that next level quite yet. Uh, but with the influx of higher level talent and better recruits and kind of the, the proven track record that they've got of developing four-year players under Lisa 48, I think it's just a matter of time before they kind of catch that break and get back to the second weekend for the first time since 2015, much like uh, what happened with the men's team when they kind of finally put it all together for that 2015 run uh, with Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell and their seniors, and then they kind of took off from there. That's, they just need that one season and that one tournament run, and you know they'll start getting even better recruits, which they're already starting to get, and kind of move the program forward from there. All right, that's enough for today's show. Tomorrow we're going to recap Chad Holmgren's first-round playoff game and also look ahead to the weekend because uh, there's going to be no show on Friday. I'll be traveling to Idaho for the weekend, so tomorrow on Thursday is going to be the last show for the week. And then we'll be back on Monday to recap, hopefully, what is a Chet Holmgren and a United States gold medal. Don't forget to tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the podcast, why one NFL playmaker wants out of New England. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget you can rate and subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Zags. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with any stories or questions or ideas, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.